What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Playing Out Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. Holy moly donut shop off-season moves, Batman. This is, uh, this is crazy. And for crazy amounts of money, too. I mean, just all of, all of these, uh, I'm assuming are alleged amounts of money. Just for the simple fact, we don't, I haven't seen anything in paper written down for any individual, um, obviously just heard, uh, word of mouth. But, wow, yeah, we have, um, as we all know, uh, A-Rod going to the Latin Saints, Goldman going to the Latin Saints, both for, uh, for some lumps of money, which is insane. I mean, I, I think about it and I've been, I was talking to, talking to, talking about it with uh, a friend of mine and it has to be, I mean, it has to be good for the sport. I mean, being able to pay your players and being able to compensate them for, you know, the time, the blood, the sweat, the tears, everything uh, is huge. I mean, obviously, I think we've come a long way from just, hey, you're playing pro, you get to play for free, and here's some gear and some paint. Let her rip. I think we've come a long way from that because I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, obligation. There's a lot of uh, sacrifice needed to play this sport. Obviously, it's a weekend sport, so uh, there's a lot of sacrifice there, uh, a lot of missed time. And it's really cool to see that you know people are willing to pay players like this. And I'm I'm really hoping it's going to be good for the sport. I would like to see more. Obviously, more people come in and uh, and see it across the board. I mean, not just a few here and there, and just have it still be what you know a two percent of the pro teams or whatever it is. Five percent of the pro teams have uh, all players are paid contracted out whatever it may be but I mean I think it's gonna be good I hope it's gonna be good anyway um, you know we saw what buying a team can do obviously with uh, with heat and with impact over the years and and they they won tournaments I mean hands down you you win tournaments when you are when you have some of the best players in the world on the field with your jersey on and let's just hope that uh you know latin saints can do the same they have uh they have some killers and it's gonna be uh it's gonna be very interesting also a couple 11 moves lj Parrish to x factor i think that's a great move uh to really not only just i mean lj is a killer don't get me wrong but he is way more of a threat than just a snake presence i mean the kid can play doritos he can play up the middle he is he's smart he's athletic um he's he's loyal he's it's a i think it's a good mix and i think the camp that they have over there at x factor i think is just going to really play um you know play to his abilities and i think it's gonna be great and then you have rob uh velez going to Revo, and I think that, I mean, this was obviously already already news, but it kind of just segues into um, my guest for the podcast, Mr. Benjamin Carroll, who is going, who went from the Bandits to then 
avalanche for a year and then away then the hurricanes and then uh and on a killer hurricanes team who have been playing really well and then making the jump to revo and uh and really going to test his skills and his abilities and i think it was a really great conversation that we had i mean we talked about anywhere from the legends of the sport to uh where you need to be mentally, uh, physically, uh, you know, we talked about spirituality, like just all kinds of stuff. And it was a great conversation and I was really glad to have him on. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So, uh, here it is. Here's the podcast with Benjamin Carroll. I've done, I've done a few actually. I've done like two or three, not, not so much in the paintball world. Um, uh, Mike Zapantis. Yeah, when he had his podcast a few years ago, mm-hmm. NXL podcast or something, we did. He came over to my place in Somerville, in Boston, and we did a podcast there. And then, uh, you know, I've been in, I've been in front of camera a decent amount just through, you know, the solar company doing videos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've probably done yeah, like two or three podcasts at this point. So nice, yeah. But it's um, so you're seasoned. You're good. Yeah, I mean, let's nothing to worry about. Yeah, Um, yeah. Mike Mike Zapp is actually one of the guys who got me uh, into doing podcasts too, because I remember his was actually the uh, one of the first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. He really probably was the the first more like legitimate established one. mm -hmm. Yeah, because I remember I thought his uh, his logo was really cool, like just the picture that he used of like him throwing the pot or whatever it was. But yeah, I remember talking uh, talking his ear off pretty much about his process and how he was doing everything and yep. and really picking his brain about it and um, it it really the whole podcasting thing really caught my eye. One I started listening to and, and found obviously like Rogan and and a few others, but just the 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 idea of sitting down and having a conversation and and all these ones that I've had before, but having it recorded and having it like spread out. I, I loved it because I felt yeah. like not that not that the conversations that were had before were kind of not that they were wasted because I don't that's such a terrible word uh, for that instance. But I think they were more or less just shelled and and confined to that one person or or people. And now you can really kind of get out there, whether positive or negative, you know, get mm. your word out there and really kind of, you know, uh just let people know what you're thinking and you'll see what happens. Yeah. You go, you go from a transient conversation. That's, you know, a mere memory. The moment the words are said to something that's tangible mm-hmm. that you can look back on. And, and, and what I like, like I think you were I was looking at your Facebook and you were sharing some pictures for like 10 years ago, some sort of challenge on Facebook and stuff like yeah. that stuff. I feel holds so much value. Like mm-hmm. as much as we kind of bash social media in general, like being able to see pictures of when you were being a dummy in college or <laughs> just like traveling with some friends or, or like the first, you know, dates you had with your now wife when you were, you know, first dating or something like that. Like that's, that's cool. Like I'm oh, into yeah. that. Cause you know, we never really pull out our phones and look back. So it's like that the fact that it exists somewhere and, you know, for, for podcasting, like a long form content or, you know, now that we can extract clips out of it, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a, a big trend with podcasting is like the clips thing is it's, it's incredibly valuable, valuable. Cause especially with like, 
you when you have a longer form conversation, you start to get into rhythm, into a flow, into a cadence. And then at some point there might be five minutes, which is like, wow, that was awesome conversation. Yeah. And you can pull that out. And now the world gets to kind of like interact with that and engage with it. I think it's, I think it's awesome. It, it, and, but it's also such a double-edged sword, right? Just the same thing mm-hmm. like social media. You, you know, you have the perks of being able to go back and find these pictures, um, that are there forever you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that that really i don't think i don't think my generation really understands the severity of of what that of uh excuse me of what that means uh because i can't i can't imagine being a teenager and having an embarrassing moment and have it be public and have it be like 24 7 it's not like you know, I mean, I asked myself at school and now, you know, the school knows about it, but it's like now it's everyone can know about it. the families can know about it. And, you know, it's just it's just this huge community that that you can reach out to, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. But then, then even podcasts, like you were saying, how you can you can extract these clips and these things, which is amazing, but how easily it can be misconstrued into, you know, in, the, out of yeah. context Something in, that it wasn't, oh, dude, it's exactly it's 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 unnerving because I know that I talk a lot on the podcast and I tend to like I give my opinion a lot and I well not even I don't want to say it's my opinion but more of just my way of thinking and maybe mm-hmm. my thought on something because my I feel like my opinion is just you know always changing I have some more solid opinions than some but those are all so you know they're also malleable but um but I feel like we've really come into a time where like so many people have really hunkered down on like team A or team B or this or that. And we haven't really been able to integrate. I think that how we can. And I think that's what's happening with like these social media things. It's it's like all or nothing. It's like you can't, you know, when something happens, everybody wants to tear it down right away or everybody wants to take it out of context. Nobody wants to sit down and actually, or at least the other side, I, w- I would say, like sit down and actually listen to what's maybe what the whole podcast was about, or maybe sit down and and listen to the kid who's getting picked on instead of you know. And obviously, I'm saying this as a 36 year old adult who's gone through all this now. Yes. But you yeah. know, teaching kids that it's like, man, you know, everybody, you don't understand everything, and it's I don't even know where this is going, but um, you know, it, it's it's like we can use this as such an educational tool and and such a a a vehicle for information and everything but it's like it's like 90% entertainment or oh, yeah. you know con- con- consuming well, it has, goods it, it's also a social experiment we've mm-hmm. ne- i mean you're 36 i'm i'm about to be 32 and we didn't have these types of phones in high school, you know, yeah. we still had to hit a three times to, to spell the first letter of C. We got to get the C, you know, it's yeah, like, exactly. hey, you know, it's like, that's where we, that's what we had in, in, mm-hmm. you know, high school. And even, you know, for you probably into college mm-hmm. and it's like, this is the first generation. So we didn't have those awkward social moments always televised and always, you know, the amount of social media that obviously is, you know, out there. And then, you know, we, we still had the story aspect of it where something stupid happened at a party and you can look back and laugh at it now 
you know, with this newer generation, you have kids who, you know, when they're recalling those events, they can actually pull out their phone and find a legitimate high quality video looking back on those experiences. And I think that is like, it's, it's, it's with great power comes great responsibility, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's, uh, I think it's, it's an amazing tool. Like you said, it can be taken out of context very easily, but ultimately I think, I think it's a net positive for, for the planet. I think as we learn to use social media properly in a sense of just like integrated into our lives, I think ultimately net positive long term. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely you know? what I'm hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think there was a few points in what you said there that we could extrapolate. But are we we fully in the, this guy? Oh, we can be. <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was too. I do have headphones. This might actually be helpful. Hold on one second. Yeah, no worries. And even if I leave all this in, it's it doesn't matter. It's okay. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool with anything. It makes it uh, real. Dead air is awesome. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Also, I appreciate it. I'm excited. Like all this stuff is fun. And uh, hold on, let me. Uh, still getting the Skype platform down. Oh, good. I like your setup back there. I like the. Uh, you, there we go. That. What is yeah. that? Like shiplap or something on the back? Yeah, it's. I'm actually in my studio. This is my office. So. Oh wow. That that is our office. We we kind of got the space. It was kind of like a little industrial kind of spot and all this yeah. wood is actually like reclaimed wood uh that we that I got from different job sites and kind of like scrapped it all together. Um and we kind of built this place over co literally we signed the lease and then covid hit. Jeez. Oh, and it was like, "Oh, fun. All right, cool." So it was one we it was fun because we had a place to be and two yeah. we had you know, a good two, two and a half, three months of construction that we needed to do anyway. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of fun because I would commute in here, you know, kind of while the world was shut down, I was able to kind of marinate on what we're going to do when it turns back on and what was going on and, you know, just kind of cut things and build things and sand things and just do <laughs> do the whole creative thing. And it was yeah. cool. It kind of came out. It came out. It's pretty cool. Yeah, dude, that's all. It seems like it, or at least looks like a very. Is that are those rings? Those are yeah. Those are gymnastics rooms. If you see in the far back, there's actually. A oh yeah, GI bunker. bunker. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably show you more, but nah, dude, that's awesome, man. Well, it looks like such a chill place to work. What is it exactly? So, I run a solar company. I run a solar company and we do roofing as well. And this is just kind of our, our headquarters in a sense. My business partner kind of goes back. There's another spot over here. There's a, you can just see like there's some chairs right there. There's a whole yeah. conference table directly behind me. Uh, my, I did have my brother in here who's a filmmaker and then Steve Schloss from the Hurricanes mm. who is a full-time filmmaker. That's what he does. And so we kind of built it out as a kind of a mixed use space. So it's our office. So this is where we kind of run all of our operations. But then there's it's also like a studio setup. Yeah. So he has clients in here. He shoots a lot of like photography, video stuff in here. So it's kind of like a nice. mixed mixed use space. We we have people in here all the time just kind of doing meetings and stuff like that. And then when Steve wants to kind of use it for a few hours to do a shoot, you know, he comes in, sets up the lights, all the production equipment and off to the races that's awesome man how did how did you get in the solar 
I got into solar, you know, I've always had kind of that entrepreneurial drive and, you know, always loved business as a tool for kind of making an impact in the world in a sense. And I it just, after kind of, um, college, I went to school for business in a sense, but got about a year and a half in and was like, I'm kind of not going to class in order to learn about business and marketing and these types of things. And I would just be tearing through YouTube. And, you know, I kind of gave myself an education when YouTube just was becoming a platform. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, like the people that actually are doing the stuff that I want to learn are doing it and sharing it all on YouTube. And there's this amazing world of information online. And so I just dropped out of school and just went kind of all in on that stuff over the years, kind of did a few things, launched like a supplement company with my brother. Really? Um, did a lot of, a lot of fun stuff. I was actually in <laughs> Illinois for, you know, about six months or so when he went to chiropractic school in Illinois. Huh. And so we had a kind of a blast. I had just a series of projects I'd work on. I did a lot of construction in that time as well. My buddy Jacko and I would pick up jobs and, um, it was a fun, fun kind of part of my life because I really didn't have a lot of responsibility and I got a chance to kind of extrapolate on life and dive into all these different niche topics from spirituality to business to marketing, like whatever, you know, kind of literally whatever I wanted to learn. Yeah, I spent probably two, three years, literally, like out after college, just kind of making enough money to, to get by. I was living, you know, at my parents' house and... I would make enough money and then just kind of learn. And yeah. and I gave myself that space and it was really kind of a very transformative time in my life. Um, I think I hit kind of a dark spell in college. Uh, and at some point, right about a year and a half into, or halfway through my second year, I just like watched this movie, Ong Bak 2. And it's a martial arts movie. Ong Bak Two. I'm gonna write that down. Ong Bak, O N G B A K Two. Incredible martial arts movie. I've actually kind of had an impulse to go back and watch it again. But have you seen Ong Bak One? I think I'm. I saw some of it. Have you seen it? <laughs> no, I've never even heard uh, of this. <laughs> honestly, I've. Uh, you know Tony Jaa. No. Tony Jaa. He's like an incredible martial artist. In essence, like another Bruce Lee, or you know. Jackie Chan or someone like that. Mm. Incredible martial artist, but I had no idea who he was. But I was just, I, honestly, I was like downloading movies back then, you know, <laughs> throw back to the days where oh, that yeah. was a thing. <laughs> and um, I think it was the Pirate Bay. Do you remember that? Yes. I remember Pirate Bay, LimeWire, all of them. Yep. Oh, LimeWire. Wow. Going, going back. <laughs> we, were, we were legit Napster babies. Not to know? date like, ourselves <laughs> at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, Pirate Bay, I was just like looking up movies. I was a big kind of movie guy back then. And um, I watched this movie, Ong Bak, and there was some kind of slower martial arts scenes where he was in a cave and he's kind of, you know, plotting his revenge. But in a, in essence, he was doing some form of kind of Qigong, Tai Chi, martial arts aspect. And like I said, I was kind of going through a, a phase in my life where I'd kind of been smoking and drinking and partying and kind of got to a certain place in my life where you know I, f I didn't feel kind of whole on the inside mm. and I had 
just that moment and I was kind of watching this and I was like, huh, that's so interesting. And this is way before like yoga was a thing in the U S and, and whatnot. Like, you know, it was there, but very much so not on the East coast, much more on the West coast, but, yeah. um, you know, I'm from Boston. So, um, I kind of just had the impulse to go into YouTube to like, look at yoga for the first time or his meditation. I, re- I think I really just like searched meditation. I saw this like very, it was like an hour video and it was like a med- it was just like basic yoga poses and basically meditation built in. And I started, I just like literally my roommates were gone. So I had three roommates, they're all back home. Lights were off, it's like 12, 31 in the morning. You know, it's like yeah. late, late at night. And I just had a moment where I just started breathing and I think I was legitimately in like child's pose or some very basic posture. And I just all of a sudden felt this like rush of energy and I was just like, wow, like, where did this come from? And why has nobody told me that this is a thing that, <laughs> that you can like sit in silence and just breathe and all of a sudden get connected to something? And I remember very viscerally like driving home the next day and it was just like in the morning, beautiful, just kind of day. I think it was in the spring had to be in the springtime like just a beautiful day I remember driving home and just like looking at signs and just having that moment like I think this is why I feel empty I feel like I've lost the connection to myself and to like the greater kind of aspect of life that we're all connected to and I didn't really have words at the time for that for consciousness for you know Mm -hmm. this connection to the creator or what what this awareness how this awareness, like whatever, whatever plugs us in. I didn't really have the the language for it at the time, but I remember the feeling. And then ultimately, this is a crazy roundabout way to get to uh, to <laughs> how I got into solar. I just realized that was the question, but <laughs> that's all right. Long story short, that kind of was the impulse behind me dropping out of school, and because I just started just ravaging, you know, into other aspects of learning that was kind of based on spirituality. And then I was always interested in business, entrepreneurship, marketing, things like that. I was playing paintball at the time. And really I was in college to, to party, to drink, to have fun, be social. It wasn't a good environment for me to, to truly learn. Mm. And I was playing, I just was coming up to basically play professional paintball. Um, 2009 world's cup, 2009. So that was my, so I dropped out of school and then later that year played my first pro event since really? actually the, the only pro X ball event I've played in the U S <laughs> ironically. Yeah. So maybe we could, we could bridge that topic at some point, I guess, but yeah, in general. Well, I, I think like, you know, just to elaborate on that, I think that very much, uh, people try and force things into happening mm-hmm. before they're actually mindfully ready and mm-hmm. i think i think we we're always you know very uh we're, we're we we think we're forward with ourselves but we lie to ourselves a lot and i feel like what tends to happen is that we're like oh well we can i can do that whenever i want you know when I, you know or, or or force myself into doing something when it's truly you have to be in a certain um a certain circumstance with yourself and it's like you were like you were saying you know you were watching this movie and it was just this kind of this moment where i was like i'm gonna you know try this and do this and it was like everything was right right your roommates were gone it was it was it was late you had these feelings already that were kind of driving you into this um into this kind of position and 
I think what what needs to happen is, and I think that's the first step of awareness is is knowing yeah. is obviously you know accepting that something needs to happen, but then knowing when the time is right to actually make that step forward and and and, and sensing those things around you that are going to take you in the direction. Not that the, not that that is the direction, but they're gonna they're gonna make you kind of feel like you have to do something you, you know is that does that make sense heck yeah absolutely and, and and i think there people very much shy away from that because it's something that uh you know obviously this is just me just off the top of my head you know i obviously i don't know everybody um but i think a lot of people are afraid of it because it's such a a a deep moment of knowing yourself that they really don't want to do that they'd much rather distract themselves with other people's troubles dramas uh, uh, joys rather than their mm. own and I think it's just scary for a lot of people I couldn't I couldn't agree more and I think that that the awareness is is what drives growth and I think a lot of people are afraid of growth because growth brings up all of those things that they don't want to address mm -hmm. yep and, growth and is that's different. the lie it's, it's growth is different and growth is scary and growth causes you to have to go through those things and, and heal and address and stop lying to yourself and all these aspects. And, you know, if you sit in silence for long enough and don't distract yourself with your phone or you don't distract yourself with someone else's dramas or stories or whatever else could, could possibly distract you. Yeah. The only thing that's going to happen is everything that's supposed to come up for you to take a look at is going to come up. Right. And yeah. That, that's, See, that's, that's the catch. That's the catch twenty two, right? With the internet and with, with, with everything, is you you got your education on YouTube, so you know what yeah. I mean. You consumed information, obviously, the right stuff that that, that took mm -hmm. you in that direction. <laughs> Excuse well, me, but but yeah. it was like, but it, you used it as that that vault for something that was very passionate for you and driving in knowing that's kind of a direction where you wanted to go. Um, and and bringing it back to where that that double edged sword of of uh, you know social media and everything it's like not everybody's doing that everybody mm -hmm. everybody's using that to mask their own problems and to consume their own time and and that's the tough part that's the tough part at, at least with me just using because I obviously I have the podcast I, I have a few other things that um, that I should really take the time to use my social media to my advantage mm. but i have i have such and this is weird because I, I don't really admit this a lot but it's like i have this weird fear and anxiety that if i were to start doing it i would feel a, a need to do it constantly and i feel <laughs> like i don't have enough time uh not that i don't want to because i need because honestly i need to right because it, mm. we, because literally we are mm. our own billboards and we, mm -hmm. we we are our own small little um, ecosystems that can you know reach out to everywhere and and it's obviously being used that way. But I I am so afraid of having it turn and 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 not really conceptualize how I want it to be and it turn into this this all consuming thing rather than like me wanting to produce even though i know that i i can just go on and make a post or or do something for the podcast and make a post i i see it as like more of a negative because it's consuming my time 
that I could be spending mm. doing something else, like like thinking about another podcast or starting one up rather than like taking the time to actually make a couple posts and, and putting it out there. I I tend to shroud it, make the podcast, just uh, upload it and then move on to the mm. next one instead of like really kind of like letting people know about it. And it's it's a tough it's a tough spot for me because it I know mm. it'll help me, but I just I it's hard to come to terms with having to do it because it, it freaks me out. If that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I I've gone through those own, my own kind of journey with that as well. You I know? feel like and, I sound like that, an old fucking asshole whenever I say that. Cause it's like, it's so relatable because every single person on the planet is kind of going through that, especially creators, especially creators, especially entrepreneurs and people who are kind of, leveraging what's available to to have a greater dialogue to connect with more people to engage mm -hmm. people and to hopefully use this thing in a positive in a positive way yeah and ultimately you know that's kind of you know if if i was to kind of move that story in, in the direction of how this got me into solar it was it was basically like <laughs> there was periods of 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 that aware building that awareness and that intuition because I was freaked out at actually doing any of this stuff. It took me so long to even like have the courage to, to basically start those first businesses or make those first efforts to, you know, marketing online and promoting things and doing the first things that I was, you know, needed, knew I needed to do to start to move in that direction. But mm -hmm. ultimately what I did was I, I, when I was extrapolating like how, what impact I wanted to have in the world and how we could have an impact on the world, it was kind of like, okay, you could use politics, you could use art, you could use, you know, some of the, the just the core elements of like how we have impact in the world. And really it was business for me that had the most uh, direct and like sincere vehicle to, to be able to kind of go out there and to, to make an impact in the world. Yeah. I was very creative, but n not necessarily in one modality that I felt like that was my thing, mm -hmm. you know, and really what, where I, I wanted to move was business in order to create impact in order to do things that I wanted to, to do, to, to kind of be of service and do something good in the world and, and have value. Uh, so I, so I started moving in that direction and I was always battling, uh, you know, similar things as far as, as I think really what, what you're kind of uncovering within yourself is like kind of being in, in, in a sense, one foot in one foot out. Mm -hmm. It's like truly being engaged and integrated into this thing until the point where like, I think you're scared of the veil in a sense. And I'm not trying to project that no, in no, a sense, no. just trying to kind of Please extrapolate do. on what you said, which is like, you're in between these two realities of like putting it of you know truly going all in on social media and and using it and being in that world and also the world that you live in outside of social media and the two aren't completely like meshed yet yeah and the awareness to navigate how to use both of them and not get lost in one or the other you know yeah. In this world, we can we could just totally shun social media and some have. And that's one way to do it. I mean, it's almost like hermetic in a sense. But then there's also like the other side, which is probably more scary for you, which is like getting completely caught up in the Web.
yeah. of social media and just and I've I've dealt with that even recently. I think just like the way a lot of the last like eight, 12 months of social media pushing towards like reels and on YouTube and Instagram and like the TikTok kind of style of just like pulling you in and not letting you out. Yeah. And you just because it's keep, never enough. I, it's, it's never it's, enough. It's ne I, no matter how much you, you post or how much content you make, it's never enough. And that's like that's like the ever the ever building wall that really kind of you know shies me away because it's like I, I I'm very much in, I enjoy the moment and yeah and I like being in the moment and I like enjoying the moment and as selfish as it sounds which which is weird I want I want to kind of you know talk about this too because mm -hmm. I find it fascinating how on one hand I and I'm assuming other people really enjoy being in the moment and, and kind of having that for themselves having that almost be the last frontier of like personal private moments that and, and I think some people will actually look at that as like oh you don't share that kind of you don't share kids uh pictures of your kids on the internet or share kids in the internet you don't share pictures of your kids on the internet or you share these you don't share these moments on the internet like you're like you're being selfish or something but but it's almost like you you want that organic kind of thing to happen to you and only to you it's it's and it, it's kind of redundant yeah. because if i look at it from a sense of i remember having conversations with like maddie marshall and, and, a, and a few other just, uh, he just popped into my head. That's just, hilarious. Yeah. In that. <laughs> and, and, and the word I, nostalgia. It's weird, too, because I remember him having conversations with me and him telling me, like, you're going to have these conversations with people, you know, when you're in my position. And I and I did. And but it's weird because I in moments like that, I only wanted that conversation to happen between him and I or between mm -hmm. like those other people and myself or moments as, as selfish as that sounds, because that was like. That's a weird special moment that it's like I feel like if if other people knew about it or if it was something that was shared, it wouldn't be as special and it wouldn't maybe have meant as much as it did to me as it would have for like, you know, everybody else who sees it. Or it might have been inspirational for other people to see it. And I think that's another thing where it's like I, I think some things are just very much well should be kept to you know your, yourself and have those moments to yourself instead of being so spread out yeah no i totally get that there's there's a a level of intimacy that you share with someone in in any moment whether it's even just with yourself or with it one other person or a couple other people that yeah there is something special about knowing that that wasn't on camera and that that i mean it was so natural for us when we were first growing up because that was the only thing we knew mm-hmm but returning back to those moments or having those moments where you both just have an engagement or something cool happens and like neither of you pulled out your phone, neither of you needed that. Yeah. I feel like you get that a lot in like hiking, you know, you yeah. get that a lot yeah. in, you know, different adventures that you take with people. Like there's no way to capture it short of wearing a GoPro or something like that. So there's mm -hmm. these are all, there's all these like, more intimate moments with life where you're just like on the mountain, you're looking around. I, I took a, an awesome hike, um, on Katahdin, which is a mountain in Maine. Mm -hmm. I think it's the high, it's the highest mountain in Maine. And which is like, like uh, 20 feet tall, right? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Maine being that hilly or no, it, well, it has, it has some elevation. It's the highest point in, um, 
or no, I guess Mount Cadillac is the highest point on the East Coast, but it's it's got some elevation. I mean, no, nowhere near like the Rockies or anything, but the White yeah. Mountains and then up into Maine are are significant and they're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. I guess and, that's almost Canada. I, yeah, it's right. It's it's up there. I mean, it's yeah. only a couple hours from from Canada. Uh, it, it, it and it was technical and it was really cool because it was you know forty degrees pouring rain and we're at like 45 degree inclines my buddy my best man in my wedding jack like one of my really good friends and and our really good friend coos who's just these two guys are like the guys that when you're around like cooking fire, you know cooking campfires and having a good time like you do not need to pull out your phone mm-hmm. these are like guys who just exude good energy and we've you know it's just it's just a really good time and there were so many moments on that mountain where we're at a 45 degree incline bouldering hands and knees pretty technical sheer cliffs on like each side kind of scary you know yeah. in a sense and you get that like that like pump that adrenaline and it's white out conditions pouring rain and you you know your jack goes in a, you know 15 feet ahead of me kind of calling lines and it's almost like a mountaineering scenario yeah. and he's got this like bright orange backpack and my phone died at the bottom of basically the ascent it's like uh it was like 11 mile hike you know mm-hmm. it's pretty you know probably uh probably 5000 vertical feet and so i didn't have a phone for you know, probably eight, 10 hours, you know, something like that. And there were so many times, and this is the first time that that kind of happened to me. There were so many times where I didn't have my phone and I just thought like, wow, this would be an amazing photo, but I don't have my phone. I can't mm-hmm. capture it. And I started to get into that groove of just like this big, like ear to ear grin of just like, how fucking cool is this? Cause how many times do we just not have access to our phone? And how cool would it be just to like more often just put my phone away, not touch it and just come be completely present because you and I both know what that's like because we didn't grow up with those phones. Yeah. yeah. But I think I think it's it's just one of those rare things. And, and it is it is special to hold those moments where you're completely disengaged from some sort of device and you're just completely in the moment and intimate with the whatever person or surroundings are around you. Mm hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think it is, it is a process. It's, it's not a battle in a sense, but the balance you do want, yeah, it's a balance and you want to bring that awareness to each moment to kind of weave personally, like what your preferences is in, in each moment as well. You know, yeah. like what's kind of genuine. And, and I think that that kind of comes back to the, the awareness thing that we we're talking about, like intuition, this, this capability that we all have that's alive in all of us is something that I feel will assist our generation, humanity, the next generation, all generations to use technology in a, in a benevolent, beneficial, positive, fulfilling way. Yeah. I think that's the skill because our brain is already hijacked our brain is completely hijacked. Like the, the dopamine kick of, of social media is just design. It's Oh, it's going to overwhelm our brain, mm-hmm. but the heart and the body and the intuition, I think is the skill that allows us to kind of weave 
the social moments and what to kind of pull out and, and photograph or film and what to share and what not to share and how much of it that we want to kind of put out there versus how much of it we want to kind of reserve. I think that's like a skill, like a literal skill set that I think is going to become the saving grace for humanity is like the intuitive aspect of life coming back. And I think we're actually shifting. This is me being Benjamin kind of <laughs> the, 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 this the, is, the this isn't Ben, this is Ben talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the more kind of spiritual side that the, I know, love it, man. I, I don't feel like it's, I, I don't feel like it's brought up enough on even in the paintball sense you know paintball's life and but i i don't feel like it's brought in enough to where people take it serious to where it's like you know we always talk about this mental state right that paintball mm-hmm. is like paintball is 90 percent mental yes it is but it has to come with action you mm-hmm. you can't you can have mindset is is 100 you know is is 90 percent there right mindset is there but if you don't if you don't turn that into action then you're just being yeah but if you're just being but if you turn it into action you're living and i think that's what people have to do is they have to you you know and turning it back into the paintball sense you can think about doing that run through all you want and you can have the confidence of doing that run through but until you take the first step that's why i always say it's 50 50. I, I say know, it's fifty fifty. I, I say you have to have a mental side, but you have to have that physical side to be able to take the step. Because if you don't take the step, then the mental's wasted. And vice versa. Right? So Oh yeah. And and that's you know, we can talk about that for however long. But it's because oh, yeah. you know, I'm sure people are like, No, 90, 90 and ten, ninety and ten, sixty four well, well, whatever. Let, let me ask you this. Yes. What would you call your mind? Like, where does your mind end and your body pick up? And I, it's kind of a catch-20. It's more of it a, is. It, that's also a double-edged sense, we call it a, a philosophical question. But when we look at, you know, the wisdom that came more out of the East and, and just more out of India, East, you know, the Eastern, you know, they, they, would not, they would not differentiate the mind and the body in a sense. They, they would in, in certain ways, but not in the context of how we kind of describe it in in the east and just merging the two basically the way they would see it is there's this being and there's layers Mm -hmm. and the mind for them spans the body it's not just in the brain the body is part of the mind the mind is part of the body there's no like differentiation between it in there they, they don't see just like the brain as the mind or like the thought so you know, and we know this and even in like, you know, the West now understanding like different aspects of therapy and stuff like the body retains and holds information and information is mind. And that's why in, in the East, they've always, you know, seen seen the mind to, to be much more than just like the brain or thought, because really, if we if we peel back the layers, you have like you have to have both and what you're saying. And I, I like, you know, it's hard to put like calculations or, or like numbers around it, whether it's 90, 10 or 50, 50, what it is, is you have confidence, which is like the, the thought process that you can make this. And then you have clarity, which is the actual living experience that you just went and you did it. Yeah. 
and like you know if it's it's like which builds on each other right it's building each other and it's this yes self-fulfilling prophecy of growth mm-hmm. but ultimately like you have to program your body and your mind together there's no like separation you know there's 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 faculties you have energy you have you know your physical body you have your mind but in order to play higher higher levels of paintball you have to you have to isolate the skill you have to you know plan the drill you have to go through the drill and experience it because you're really trying to program build the muscle memory being yeah exactly the muscle memory i mean now you know you have basically muscle body memory mind and like you're building you're (laughs) building it comes back around yeah yeah like you don't there's no way to separate like oh i'm just thinking and oh i'm just because if you think your body reacts if Mm -hmm. i think about something like if i close my eyes and i think about something that's intense my body will create adrenaline yeah so where does it where does the mind end and the body begin yeah so i like i think it's fun to kind of say oh there's i think the idea of saying it paintball is 90% mental is like get your get your head right because this game is is something that really can be won in between your ears and if a strong mindset can truly you know help you excel at this game but then you extrapolate it more and you kind of have this scenario where you're like well you 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 can't just think about it you got to go do it and you got to mm-hmm. have the experience of what it's like to to run down lefty righty switch hands you know dink this guy stop real quick pull up shot you know like create the shots like all these different elements of paintball you have to build that into your physical intelligence yeah or you're not gonna like you can't just think about it all day long you have to sink both worlds you have to sink both worlds exactly yeah yeah and it would good way to put it (laughs) cheers yeah it's uh it's it's great too because i think that's you know we obviously know the great uh you know melders of those two concepts, right? Yeah. You know, we, we know the great ball, great paintball players who have really taken advantage of both sides and used either to their advantage, either, you know, obviously one was a little bit more maybe of a mental player than the other, or one was a little bit more physical, but, but we need that. What's great. Drop, drop some names, drop some names on me. <laughs> you know, obviously Oliver, but, but even thinking yeah. about it, right. You know, you know, I, I can't, Thinking about it now, I cannot say Oliver's name without even naming the rest of the roster of, oh, of Dynasty. And the same thing for all the really the really prominent teams in their day. I, I feel like I, you know, I I would be shaming those other guys because it, it is such a players can win points, hundred percent. Teams win tournaments. That's, I mean, oh, that's, that's just how it is, right? And and I think that that sometimes a player's stardom uh, shadows a team effort to where they got to where they are. You know what I mean? Oliver helped out, yes. But how clutch was Alex, Angel, uh, you know, Ryan, Yo? I mean, I can name the roster. You know what I mean? Ridiculously and I, clutch. Yes. And, and I feel and, like... And absolutely imperative. And that, that story would not have happened... Oliver would not be who Oliver is without all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he did he have a crucial part in it, one hundred ten percent, you know. But if you put that, if you put him against ten or or five or whatever it is, will he shoot a couple guys? Yeah, but the odds aren't good. You you have to have that that team that even up the odds and that 
that social confidence and that team confidence to be able to go out there against another five and really have the team effort really kind of protrude uh, the play, the individual players' abilities and, and really project, not protrude, project the individual players' abilities. And that's where the, that's where the stars come from because all these players balance each other out and they all do the jobs that need to be done it just so happens that some play other positions that might, you know, let, it's just like the whole snake player, Dorito player argument, right? Of who's more, oh, of course. or or even throw throw the third try, you know, the third point of the triangle in there, snake, uh, snake Dorito back player, and you can also say there's mid guys or whatever, but yeah, but for the most part, and that's a tough thing too. Is you think about fucking tangents, right? I think about it too is like, you know, paintball's a game of angles, right? And you think yeah. about the widest guys. Those guys have the angles. But those same guys who have the angles, if you play mid, you have those same angles on those wide guys. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like and then the back guys have the eyes. So it's like what I was getting to <laughs> is that it's just it's everybody plays a role and does their job. And that's why you hear so many, you know, uh, pros say, just do your job, just do your job, do your role, and the stardom will come. The and I don't even want to say stardom, just the the yeah. the instincts will will follow. Those big moments, right? That people get recognized for. Yeah, and it, and, it's, and that's a tough thing too because you think about it, and it's like, how does that? How does one guy tap into something like that to be able to see a field and slow a game down and be able to really kind of pick apart within milliseconds a team and a and, and, and a move, a multi-stage move to shoot multiple players within seconds and do it like that and have the confidence to do it and have the wherewithal and then have the fucking timing of the universe pull everything together and out of all the thousands of paintballs that are being shot, have everything work out the way you want it to. Oh, I think you just I think you just used the words yeah. <laughs> to loop back on a on a word that we used earlier awareness mm-hmm. a hyper a hyper developed awareness I think Oliver built the intuition necessary and went through the experience enough to be able to calculate the game and then the intuitive element allowed him to weave and see and you just said it, the timing of the universe. So who's really playing out there? Is it Oliver? Or is it the fact that he's intuitively tapped into the universe itself, which has perfect timing, and he was allowed the access to be great in those moments because the universe mm-hmm. is simply playing as everybody on the field. You got 10 guys on the field at one time or however many people, and he was simply extremely attuned to all aspects of what was going on and so he just let his you know yes there's a calculation here okay it's kill two i got four guys left there's a guy in the back left back right and and the dorito one and he let his intuition rise up in those moments he didn't have to think and calculate every aspect he just knew the intuitive okay i have the advantage i have the angle I, you know, I sensed the situation. He sensed and felt that awareness to then drive through. And because he had done it at so many, in so many high level, high pressure moments that he had the confidence because it's not just confidence at that moment. It's clarity. Yeah. The difference, you know, between confidence and clarity is very important for a young 
player to understand. You have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, even if you're brutally confident going into it, because maybe you have natural skill or you maybe develop yourself in another aspect of life. But when you're going into paintball, you have to build the, you have the confidence, but you have to build yourself you have to put yourself into the situations enough to go from confidence to clarity, right? right? If you're standing on one side of the room and the room is dark, you might have confidence to get to the other side because it's dark. Mm -hmm. But clarity is just flipping the lights on and knowing you can just literally walk over to the other side of the room, yeah. like knowing where the furniture is, you know, mm -hmm. and just walking over there. And, and Oliver, I think Oliver played that role on Dynasty so incredibly well because he had the infrastructure in place. He had the other, you know, if it was 10 man or seven man, he had the other nine guys or he had the other six guys in the field who with utmost confidence in those guys with incredible yeah. amounts of confidence and incredible amounts of experience. I mean, they had won and won and won and won and won since they were kids. And so they had that, you know, that incredible bond where he knew you know alex was going to play a certain role he knew that you know angel was going to be the the angle workhorse. on this he was yeah. going to he was going to be the workhorse over there he was going to always buy oliver space you know yeah. you had each aspect you know yosh was going to always apply the pressure that oliver could use and work with so he understood what elements were always at play so that he he knew where the space was on the field and he could use it manipulate it and he knew when the odds and the angles were in his favor he could simply tap into that aware that's that awareness and mm -hmm. that timing of the universe to just go shoo, 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 and yeah. bang 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 he was the closer he was he was the intuitive closer that made those big moment highlights but like you said you take all of those other aspects, those those other the other infrastructure of teammates around him doing specific jobs, and some of them just doing them incredibly well. Yeah. You know, like Angel, such a such a guy who you you I never played against him, but you you definitely so did. underrated, dude. So so underrated. underrated. Yeah. From someone who just loves, I've just studied film for. I mean, I was such a geek, you know, back in the day. Just watched. <laughs> I feel you, man. Everything. I feel you. Yeah. Just watched everything and just watching him repeatedly just apply pressure. And really, it was like this guy makes the Ryans and the, and the even that Alex's, you know, Frazier's and and the Oliver's possible mm -hmm. because he's just that thorn in the side that everybody has to pay attention to. He buys them so much space and he gets the kills that gives them the opportunity to make those incredible weaving moments and things like that, especially back yeah. in like the seven man days and the, the 10 man days. Oh, yeah, dude. Angels, Angels confidence and his 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 confidence that he that he brought to the field and his uh his stature and just posture and everything was just oozed confidence man i i i never felt like that guy questioned himself ever ever dude. he was just like he a was blue collar like all the just get it done yeah it, it was just it was it was awesome to see obviously awesome awesome to play against um but one thing i did want to I've always wondered was that, and I've only practiced against him, you know, Oliver a, a few times. I wonder how he was at practice, not off the field, because I know that, um, you know, at least through the grapevine, that he used to butt heads with Ryan a lot, and oh, which, yeah. which a lot of great minds do, people. right? Yeah, passionate people, yeah. But I wonder, I wonder how he was, like how, because obviously everybody's like, well, you'll practice like you play, and this and that, which I think can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. Um, but I wonder, at least from from my perspective, like from how I took things, I t tended 
to take risk, you know, but I mm. liked I liked to try and 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 alleviate the the lower end of the risks at practice and really feel out what I thought or what I saw and try it out at practice and not to have anybody really poo poo it right away. Maybe explain it after the fact of what I saw mm. and bring everybody to like or at least at least whoever questioned it, which who was mostly Bruno, um, ha- bring him over and have him actually see what I was going for and what I was trying to do and then have him be like, oh, okay, I see what you're trying. You know what? And, and, and really, and to get back to Oliver, I think, I, I wonder if that was one of his processes was like, go through the failures at practice, build mm-hmm. the confidence at practice, knowing that obviously you did a move, you saw something. Right. And I think that's what tends to happen too a lot is I think a lot of people and you can you can take this at paintball. You can look at this at life or whatever. But I think a lot of people tend to hit a roadblock and they look at it as a fucking ice wall, you know, 100 percent, not as a speed bump. And I always I always looked at, you know, getting shot at practice, trying to make a move as a speed bump because it's like, okay, well, fucking something told me to move. Right. I saw something. I I. I can explain it. And I think at that top level, what tends to happen too is is you can, you know, I mean, obviously fucking people make mistakes and you can go to any, any player on the top end at practice or at a tournament and you can look them in the eye if they made a dumb fucking move and you can look at them and they'll look at you and they'll be like, okay, that was a dumb fucking move. Like most yeah. people will do that, right? Mo- yeah. But But it's like, I'm saying it, the top tier guys. You know when you make a dumb when you make a dumb move, but if you make a move and you get shot and you are like, no, man, something is there. No, something is yeah. there. And and I think, uh, or I wonder if Oliver went through that process of 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 getting the failures out of the way at practice to really find how to like thread the needle because it it's oh, yeah. it's it's repetition to perfection, right? It's it, you have to go through those those reps to really figure out, okay, can I lift this weight? And you're not going to be able to maybe the first time or the second time or the third time, but you find I'm not and I'm not saying beat a dead horse. I mean you have mm-hmm. to know when yeah. to go. Okay, oh, there's something else going on, but it's like you. It started with the thought and the in this and the vision of something, and you have to be able to work on that. I think that's another thing when a lot of players are like, well, hey, you know, what's the difference between pro players and divisional players? It's it's being able to make a move confidently, whether it works or doesn't work. And be able to decipher whether or not that was something and to to extrapolate on that and build on that or toss it in the garbage and move on and figure out what really will work. It's you know what I mean? It's going through that process rather than going, eh, it doesn't work. And then, uh, you know, but maybe like, it, you know, try and fucking it work have. it out, man. Yeah, it could yeah, have. It's just to get it. Yeah, I think I think, well. One, I think. Uh, have you had him on the podcast, Oliver? Yeah, I man, he was on the. I think he was on in like 2017. It's been a while. You should get him back. You should, you should ask him that question. I would love to hear it. I actually, I occasionally ping him, and we we chit chat once in a while on like Instagram or you know Messenger or something like that. And yeah, I I, lo- I love that dude. I love what he represents and everything like that. But I could almost guarantee you that's exactly it's exactly what he did. But why? Because every great player does that. Yeah, it's a it's a process of iterations, and <clears throat> you know, like with the bandits, I thought one of the cool 
oh yeah paintball kind of career yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to get into that yeah yeah because that's what where i remember you from i remember watching a documentary that was happening and i forget who was filming it but i remember yep. the bandits i remember Steve, yeah. yep i remember seeing you on there and everything and i was like yeah dude i want to i want to talk to that guy yeah and here we are no, appreciate it here we are <laughs> um with the band, it was cool because when I came back, I left paintball. I played on Avalanche in 2012. That was kind of when really? I was going through that I didn't know period. That. One season with Frank. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> Honestly, I love Frank now. Frank's, we, a, you know, after Frank's that a season, character. we kind of were like, yeah. oh, man, it was tough. It was one of like the – it was pretty dark. Like It was a dark time. I was just like I played with Darula and Keith DeVitt and you know Steve, and it was, it was fun because I – played pro for a first full season mm. um because i i played 2009 with the the old hurricanes one event uh 2009 world cup basically we blew a lead on tampa bay damage we were 6-1 we ended up losing 7-6 and that was pretty much the end of the team oh. immediately after the team jeff you know all those guys left and you know kept you know billy was there thomas was there and moved the team to division one hmm. so i never i was pro for one world cup immediately after the next season it was like no we're in division one again and i was like sweet <laughs> and then played a couple of years there the team didn't really super fun team but like didn't gel and that that was like when i was going through my phase of like recognizing something like was off in here like hmm. i just wasn't myself i didn't feel whole and then i played that 2012 season with avalanche we kind of the hurricanes you know dissolved and we went to the we weren't even going to go to the avalanche tryout there was a tryout and frank and keith kind of had a good bond and keith was like just just come let's go let's go let's go and so we we went it was like top gun paintball and like darula myself steve and uh keith we we went it was fun you know had a good had a good day um i think i want it it was kind of funny like frank made us do like like uh sprinting drills and he he thought keith was the fastest guy there and i kind of was like hmm, i've been playing with keith for a lot i i know i know <laughs> and uh and so he set us all up and we kept we kept running these these you know speed drills and then he did like a one-on-one ultimately he wanted to race the winner frank uh, yes he thought oh, he was great. faster yeah of course smoking you know? <laughs> but i ended up beating keith by like a couple you know probably step and then he picked us all up and we played avalanche and it was fun because it was the first pro season i truly played play with mayo you know brandon mayo which oh, nice, was like yeah. kind of one of my guys who i was like damn that was fun you know i never i never really played on one of those teams with like the idols you know yeah not the idols but you know the guys who i mayo's a killer was. man he's he mayo's yeah. killer super cool guy too yeah i kind of see both of your styles as similar you're very both kind of so. like yeah very athletic killers you we know, played very just... well off of each other when we were both in Avalanche. He he mm -hmm. was we it was a double threat, I think for sure. I mean, wherever he went, he his I saw a picture. Everything. I didn't I didn't even realize you guys had played together on Avalanche and then it kind of clicked back from remembering. I saw a picture just recently when I was pulling up your Facebook and I was like, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, damn. Having Carl and B Mayo coming down the field is that's a threat. <laughs> And then That's Danny, Tilljack, having him yep. up there, Roger Hen. I mean, there was dude, that team was yeah, Solid it was squad. legit. Solid squad. <laughs> so so uh tying it back after 
2022, I left, or sorry, 2012, I left the sport. I kind of was like, I had my little spiritual moment The the moment at, at college kind of translated and I had a couple like really pretty intense, like spiritual experiences Im- immediately after where a very similar scenario, like there was one like maybe a week after, like it was very shortly after that. And my, my heart, like literally in a meditation, like it was like one or two in the morning, like I felt like it literally exploded Mm -hmm. and I felt like love for the first time in a long time. And I felt like I was literally at the bottom of a swimming pool of love. And I just felt this energy all around me that basically was like, it was almost like the mother energy of the universe just kind of giving me a big hug and just being like, you're going to be okay. (laughs) thing. You know, like it was, it was like a very profound experience. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take a step back from paintball, took a step back. And this was kind of like a awkward few years of, of my career. Cause I was like trying to get on 187, and there was kind of like some stuff going on between the hurricanes, 187 stuff. And it just all like ended up falling short all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, Darula went to 187, you know, tried to basically say, you know, let's bring Benny to, and they said no. And it was like, all right, whatever. So <laughs> left the sport. Um, didn't didn't really think I was coming back. Like I thought that was I thought that was it. Like mm-hmm. I thought that was it. I, I had this this really awesome year where I did basically nothing and just got in tune with myself. Like I really like that was that moment sparked it and then I just kept stoking the fire and I yeah. barely worked. Like I barely worked. It was kind of funny. Like my friends would be like, What are you doing? I'm like, nothing. And it's amazing. Living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm doing absolutely nothing. And it's amazing. And uh and it really was. It was really special. And and uh it really set me up for the trajectory to get into, you know, all this stuff now. But mm-hmm. uh when I came back to the bandits, it was an interesting time because Jeff kind of hit me up and was like, Hey, I had this young team. They're perf- they're very much so underperforming. They were like 0 and eight in like this local foxball league and he was like i want you to coach and i actually i actually owed him a little bit of money from like when i played on the hurricanes i had a tab with him and he was like yeah pay off pay off your tabs i know what that's like yep yeah totally and again like that was stuff too i was like damn i gotta get my i gotta get my life together you know like and um and he was like pay off your tab by coaching these guys and it was cool because like my dad i now look back and realize how good of a coach my dad was uh, for us, like I, I grew up with, you know, two other brothers and a sister on the second born, you know, so, and he, he just did like a phenomenal job. Like we played every sport under the sun and he, he never like pushed us in any one direction, but he always had this like very simple upstate New York style of like coaching and just kind of, it wasn't even coaching. He was just like inviting us to, to, to like into a higher echelon of, of athletics. Cause he had, he had wrestled at a very high level, you know, division one, he had coached division one wrestling. Like he had kind of put in the work and knew a very simple guy in, in, in the way he kind of coached and helped younger people grow mm-hmm. a very simple guy just in general. And so like, I, I, I never realized how intelligent that style was. And until I, I went and coached the bandits, so I was like, okay, Jeff, I'll, I'll go coach the bandits. And for the first time, like I had always been, I had always had ideas of how to grow a team and create a culture and, and develop a, a structure around building a team and growing a team and whatnot. But 
you don't know, especially being young, like, you know, for me, I was a very young 22, 23 year old, you know, I still had a lot of maturing to do. Mm-hmm. And you don't know if those things work yet. Like I, I had confidence that they may work, but I didn't have the clarity that they do work. Yeah. And just continue to use some ideas we brought up here. But I, I went into that, that coaching experience which i ended up coaching them 2013 2014 it was a freaking blast like it was so much fun to coach because i got to finally be in the position where i i I was the guy and they looked to me and said ben what do we do Mm -hmm. and i got to put the practice plans together and i got to put the the theories together and teach these guys how to play paintball at a higher and higher level and the team just took off and we did very very well and obviously that's documented on those those documentaries but one of the cool things here and just to kind of loop it all the way back to the ollie thing and the the way he kind of would make potentially approach the game if i was to kind of maybe put some words to it is like there with that team i always communicated with them to that we're building an environment of growth and that environment of growth you were allowed to fail and not only you were allowed to fail, you were encouraged to do things that were going to end up being not successful on the field. Mm-hmm. Again, not in the sense to beat the dead horse, but to experientially go through the process of pushing beyond what you're comfortable with repeatedly until you start to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And now that's been a quote that's like kind of really finding your limits. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that message has really permeated a lot of people recently, as with just the, you know, the the boost of social media, and quotes and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and people are really buying into that. And I think that was so paramount. And it was it was, look, like if you go try a move, I'm not gonna be mad at you as the coach, or you know, and if someone else is mad at you, I'm gonna make sure that that person knows that that's that's not kosher here. Like we're all here to allow each other the space to try the space to experiment the space to push beyond the limits to 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 understand if there are things there like you were saying before and i think that every great athlete and every great team ultimately encourages that Mm -hmm. because it's the only way to do it there's no other way you you have to you have to go do the work and put yourself in those uncomfortable situations and push beyond because we know in paintball, like hesitation is the enemy. Mm-hmm. If you hesitate on the pro field, you're done. Yeah. If you hesitate on the semi pro field, you might have a little bit of variance. If you hesitate in division, you know, two, you have a little more time and space and you might get away with things and, and you know, you can go backwards there. But when you go from when you when you try to take a team from the, you know, from the kind of divisionals and you try to you, you build them from, you know, maybe the regional circuits into the divisional national play and then up the ladder, the timing and the 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 allowance of hesitation becomes less and less and less. But in order to get someone from a Division Five capability to Division Four capability to Division Three capability, et cetera, all the way up, you're essentially you have to give them the opportunity to try and to fail, to then use that as the curriculum mm-hmm. for how to do it better, and build that muscle of going into the void, going into what's uncomfortable, building, building, building. And I think that 
you know, it's the same across any sport and across any team, but I'm, I'm almost positive, you know, that Oliver probably did that all practice long throughout his whole career. Yeah. And he just better and better at being able to split the seam and thread the needle and do these things because he, his team gave him the, the space to do that. Having the ability to learn, I think is, is huge. And I, you know, and I, and from a coach's perspective, because I've been asked to coach a few different teams and I, I really thought about it, but I, I knew that you have to go into it with a player mindset too, of like all or nothing. It's like you you can't half-ass it because then that's what the results are going to be. The results are going to be half-assed. And I, I just can never com- could commit the time that the people who asked me deserved, so I politely declined. Yeah. But, you know, coaching is another one of those things where it's like, man, that's you're not exerting anything physical, so it's all mental. All the physical is done by your mental uh your mental capacity and your mental projections on the players to do the physical stuff you know so it's right right coaching i feel like is even more daunting because it's all like you're not doing it they're doing it you're you're coming up with things too but they have to execute right yeah Um, totally but i think that they have to and i think it's the same thing it's you know there's a reason why players get cut there's a reason why players you know um who who fall behind there's a reason why players excel and get better and everything and and i'm saying this because i feel like everybody can succeed everybody can go out there and really if they give it their all they will move forward but you have to have if you're given the ability ability to learn you have to take advantage of it because if you don't yeah when you get yelled at and when you get reprimanded is when you make the same mistake over and over again, not learning on that mistake. And, and I think that's very much misconstrued of, of, of don't make a move, you know, don't, why, why did you do that? You know, why this and why this? And yeah. And I think, but I think that's also a meld of a coaching style too, of like, you have to know what players are looking for what and how to manage this player and this personality and this and that. And, um, but you have to, as a player one, you have to have, if you have the ability to learn, you have to do that. You can't just make the mistakes and be like, well, I, th- I thought I saw the, a move and then make the same mistake. Well, I thought I saw a move and have that be your excuse. You can't, yeah. you can't excuse uh, ignorance, you know, on the field. You, there, you have to be aware. You have to be aware of what's going on. Um, and then from a coach's standpoint, you have to have the ability to really look at a player and a situation and know if they're right for that situation or right for that position or so I can I can I mean being a coach is just as demanding as being a player I mean there's I can't imagine um but what was it like for you going from that role of having to be the the chess piece on the field to now become the one moving the pieces it was awesome it was so much fun. It was daunting because you're essentially, you know what to do in a sense. Like you, you have a certain IQ of how to play the game. And then your job is to decoct it and to, to, you know, boil it down and to extract 
all the different elements that might go into playing at a high level, not only individually, but then as a team as well. Mm-hmm. And you had to build the infrastructure, the, the, the drills, you had to build the culture, you had to build the mechanisms to get not only the individual player to start growing, learning, but also the team to collectively start learning and coming together and you know building that that cohesion that moves them not only from individual play but then at doing it as a team and it was it was awesome it was so much fun to be like okay how is great paintball played and then how do i get these guys who are not playing great paintball and and i love all these guys and honestly the career from all these guys that have you know from the careers all these guys have had like it makes me so happy and it was one of the hard it was one of the reasons why moving to revo this year was like literally the hardest thing i've ever had to do because some of those guys on the hurricanes are the bandits that i you know was coaching who were oh and eight in the local leagues getting beat on by you know and not to judge people but like they're getting beat on by chumps mm-hmm. you know and i don't mean chumps in the way like they, they, there's no value like those guys don't have value just they were getting beat by guys who didn't really didn't have the skill set that yeah mm-hmm. it's just like you know it's just <laughs> it wasn't it was it was like painful in the you beginning. were a part I'm of like, the progress oh my gosh you saw yeah. the progress you were part of it so it, it it you it means that much more you have that much more attachment to it yeah to like see yeah. kyle Niccolo go out there and play just phenomenal paintball and incredibly high level and know that he's on the verge of bridging the gap from like an IQ of a semi-pro player to a pro player and knowing that like if he put gets put in the right environment or, or you know, just is or with the, the right guys or the Hurricanes end up earning a pro spot or something that he is going to flourish in, mm-hmm. in that league, you know, to see seeing some of these guys grow to that level, uh, knowing where they started just a few years ago. I mean, like in, in paintball terms, four, five, six years, it's not a lot that long of a time. Yeah. Uh, I guess it was like 2013. So, you know, it's, it's a relatively short seven or eight years, but like to see how far they've come. So it's really hard to, to, to like get all the way to like right on the cusp of, you know, being professional altogether uh, to then, you know, knowing that I had to kind of honor my internal path and knowing that really, where I needed to go was I, I wanted to be that that player. I wanted to to take my own game to the next level a little mm-hmm. bit because I'd all since that time since being with the Bandits, I'd always just been you know the I've been the guy on the team that everybody was looking to for the advice and everything, and I just wanted to be a soldier. I just That's wanted to position. go and yeah, ex- yeah, it's it's it it is, and especially you know building a business and and you know having a family in a sense, like a wife and a dog and cat, you know, like there, there was so much more going on with my life that like, you know, being that guy in those roles and these on those, on that team, it was like, there's so much there that like captures my attention that I want to apply myself to that really what I needed in my life was not to be there. And just to, to have a, a mature paintball team in a sense of like skill and like that these guys are putting in the work and that they are better you know, that they're at least equal or better than me, you know, so that I could maybe learn from them for mm-hmm. a change and be around, you know, other organizations that I could learn from and stuff. But, um, it was, it was, uh, one of the things that made it so hard to, to go to Revo and, and ultimately looping back like that coaching aspect of those, those many years and, you know, being with the bandits was, was so much fun because when you see 
guys who are not used to winning, like these guys weren't the guys who were always out there winning, start winning. And like the, the joy and the, like the, the, the confidence excitement and the confidence building in these guys and like these guys like crying and like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, winning tournaments and winning seasons and like jumping all over each other and like pure elation when it all came together and knowing you played a part in that and, and them, you know, turning around and being like, thank you, thank you so much. And we're all just like, you know, incredibly emotional like that that was that was really cool and that was really special part of my life too because it it was the opportunity to test the theory you know test the theory of you know what how i felt like it could be done and then getting such a such a powerful feedback loop of like yeah that's a good that's one way that you can do this was it was it was really special i kind of like getting the emotions <laughs> but uh it was, no it's good man it's it really that, cool because it's a, it's and that's the, that moment that i'm talking about right where you have these certain moments where it's like you don't nothing else matters you don't want it you don't want to share it with anybody but except for who you're with right there you know and that's yeah. what that's what makes it special and i and i can't imagine how tough of a decision it was to move from that environment to something <laughs> unknown you know and i well, I mean, I do. I, I I know kind of what you're going through, um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it, it it's a rock and a hard place because it's you, you want to succeed with the guys that you're you're you have been playing with and you've seen play and you've coached and you've been a part of their paintball life or life in general, mm. and you're at this pinnacle moment. But then at the same time, there's still a void, right? There's still this void that in your mind, or I won't say yours, I'll say mine just so I'm not projecting onto mm-hmm. you. But I mean, but in, in my line where I'm like, I still, I feel like, and not even to be self, not even in a selfish sense, but also, but in one, it, like I still want to learn and, and mm-hmm. why not learn from the best and there is a point in time too where it's like i don't want to be the guy i want to be i want to be one of the i want to have my name called but i want to have my name called because i'm i'm someone else is calling my name to be in a lineup to go on the field not calling my name to look for advice even though even though that's awesome like i whenever somebody asks me a question or you know what i mean so I'm, i'm not trying to in any means say that the position that privileged position that I would be in that I, I, I take for granted, but at, there's times where you just, you want to be a student and, yeah. and yeah. It, I, it's hard to explain to people sometimes, but there's, there's very much, I, I love to learn. And, and if you're, if you're the type of mindset that I think you are, you don't have to be sorry for that. You know, you know what I mean? And I, yeah. and you might yeah. have, you might have closure for, you know, for, you know, of not feeling bad and, and having confidence in your decision and everything. And I know how emotional it is, but know that there shouldn't be, you shouldn't have to excuse your, your wanting and your yearning for growth. hundred percent. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And, and hopefully they understand that. 
and I and I and they did an amazing job when I had those conversations because these are like some of my friends that I've known for 17 plus years and you know Keith was in my wedding you know he's one of my yeah. best men in my wedding and Steve literally works in the same office as me and you know I train with Blake all the time and he's just he trains my wife like he's literally my wife's personal trainer you know like these yeah. are guys who are I'm very interconnected with mm -hmm. and they all you know, did us, you know, Steve, I talked to Steve first in person. Like it was, he just, he was the most supportive friend. And, you know, each one, each conversation that I had kind of built on the fact, like the one being that like, these are truly my friends who wish the absolute best with me. And, and two, that, that I did, that I was making the right choice. And simply it was just because like exactly that, I have been doing this for a long time at Divi in Division One, finding ways to keep myself trying to be ahead of the curve and trying to not necessarily be ahead of the curve in comparison, but just to continue to challenge myself and find ways to train and excel and grow myself, not having those professional environments to be in. You know, going to the field and trying to put my mind and my body into scenarios that I was watching on go sports or just or just seeing how people were playing and knowing what I would have to do if I ever got the call to be on the field mm -hmm. and consistently trying to grow over years and playing division one paintball. And, and I, I love division one paintball in a sense. Like I think it has these incredible storylines and it's so much passion. It's like division one football, you know, not yeah. that I watch a lot of football, but I know that there's so much on the line for these guys and that that comes to life in division one. And I've, I've met some amazing people and played with amazing people played against amazing people in that division. But it, there just comes a time when I have done that for so many years, you know, I, my first division one, event was 2008 and I've never played a professional season in the US X-Ball. I played the one 2012 Avalanche, yeah. but I feel like I've been there for a long time. Like the Hurricanes picked me up in 2009 to play that World Cup because they felt I was there, you know, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And when I played, I got a chance to play against, you know, I don't know if were you on Infamous in 2009. Yep. I think we played. We played you at World Cup. We might have. Yeah. I think we did. I think we 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 clash we we bashed and clashed on the Dorito silo because I remember, like it was it was a crazy. It ended up being overtime. You guys beat us in overtime, but like I was playing against Todd, and I'm like, you know. I'm cruising down the field as this 19 year old kid, wide eye, like, oh my God, this is amazing. And, and I was doing it. Like I, yeah. I felt good doing it. And I'm like, okay, I can play at this level. Like I, I knew in that moment I could play at that level and then never getting a chance to kind of do that again, playing seven man, which is just a different, a different kind of modality. And that was fun. But of course I didn't truly like, Frank was running the team and I love Frank and not, no, the environment was it just different. Was, the environment was different. It wasn't yeah. like a truly like a healthy season. And ultimately I never got a chance to. And, and one of the most healing things that I've done in a long time, because that's that's a that's a long road, man, since 2009, in a sense, to just consistently being not picked up or just having that like, oh, we're not going to pick you up any or, or we're not going to do this. And I tried out for the Ironman and, the, mm -hmm. you know, so many efforts with 187 just not not coming to fruition and then you know playing 
you know, going to the Revo tryouts and that not working out and then NYX and that not working out after I won with that team in division one before, you know, before Mm -hmm. they went pro and everything on the outlaws with Keith. And so that's just, there was so much there like emotionally and there's like frustration, but it was the perfect thing for me. Like I realize it now, all of that stuff like made me who I am. Like I became strong and confident and just, you know, more mature and capable of going through and enduring so much more mentally, physically, emotionally, because I didn't get what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And it was like all of those moments where like, you know, I'm almost like in the shower after the tryout and I know that I, you know, they told me I'm not on the spot or something, you know, didn't, didn't get the spot and just being like, like, fuck, like what the fuck is going on? Like, Mm -hmm. I know I, I know I have the skill I'm there. I'm you know, I know that they're seeing the same thing I am, but like, is it me? Is it my, is it who I am? Is, am I some douchebag, you know? <laughs> like, like, yeah, am I, am I this oblivious on? douchebag where I don't even notice yeah, my own dude, douchiness? People just hate me. Like, <laughs> I, I'm a pretty nice kid. Like, I have a great group of friends. Like, my, yeah. I have a good family, like all these things, but like some reason I'm like not, something's not happening here. And ultimately I think, I think it really was in a sense like. Universe. The, yeah, it was like it was the it was what I needed to grow. Yeah, because there was just aspects and there was darkness in every single one of those moments that I needed to address. Like that I need, that needed to come up and punch me and just be right in front of my face. Because, you know, oh yeah, that I could I could have done this here and I could have done that there and, mm-hmm. and emotionally I could have been a little you know stronger there and mentally there was something here and each one of those moments kind of made me who I was but you know one of the most healing things I was kind of bringing up that I've done in a long time was Keith DeVitt playing in Europe and kind of you know with five-star Gandia Charlie and 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 uh, Jay over there kind of giving me that call to go play pro over there for in 2019 you know we had a successful season i had a successful season with the outlaws which is ny you know was nyx in 2016 uh 2017 was kind of like uh like a lost year i don't know what happened in 2017 uh oh i played one event with the bandits and then i was like no no i can't i can't i can't so i stepped away didn't play the rest of the season there 2018 i played with nex which is like a throwback to basically the division one team that grew up under the hurricanes it was like mm-hmm. the hurricanes team when we first started playing division one a couple of like steve came back to the sport a couple of my other friends came back to the sport we played like a couple events and then 2019 was like when the hurricanes got we we came back jeff steve myself chris costigan like some people who had been in the sport before all came back and said, hey let's restart the hurricanes that year keith gave me a call and said hey Charlie wants, uh, you know, to, to grab a couple guys because normally he'd have Tim Montresser on the team and Tim went to Kiev United. So he wants me to grab someone. And I said, you know, I want to grab you. And, you know, Keith's one of my, my really close friends. I've been with him for a long time. You know, he's my man. And we went and we played pro over in Europe and it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need this. Like, this is so fun for me because paintball at this point is just like this modality of it's a martial art you know i have the whole like art of paintball thing for because for me paintball has become just a martial art it's something that 
grounds me into this protocol of training and self-exploration and physical, physical intelligence, physicality and movement. And all of this stimulates the, some good stuff in my life Mm -hmm. so that I can then go and do other aspects of my life, like business and life and family and these things better. And paintball stimulates all that. So it's, 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 for me, it's my, it's my martial art and going and playing and finally having those engages engagements with, you know, Burdnikov and Kirill and, and finally having the moment where Archie like kind of punks me and I'm like, Oh, and I had you there. Mm-hmm. Like I should have done this. And, you know, Greenspan kind of eating me up a couple of points and then going out and, you know, having a couple four packs against impact and like these just moments. And you're just like, heck yeah. Like I want that. I need that. Cause I have not had like a cushy, pro career where I always got that that wasn't in my backyard yeah there was no pro team in New England you know like you're you're from an area where there's there wasn't like a ton of pro teams in your area you know there wasn't a ton of pro teams in New England and you know all this great paintball was being played all over the U.S. and never in my backyard in sunny weather yeah yeah (laughs) so I never really got a chance to kind of like test my skills I always just it was the same idea with like the coaching the bandits like I'd always I, I had to build it in here, but I never had the chance to apply it. And that mm-hmm. was like when I went and coached and I always knew, like I always built it here and trained for it, but never got a chance to apply it. Yeah. And that was the first time I got a chance to apply it. And it was, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. You, you, uh, start collecting these confidence coins, right. And your, your purse starts becoming heavier and 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 more robust and you're like all right man yeah you start you start collecting these things you're like fuck yeah you know and it and it's cool too because you i know exactly the moments you're talking about if we're like a guy a very skilled guy or girl um mm-hmm. catches you slipping a little bit but you you know your intentions at that point where it's like okay you got me on that one but yeah, I fucking had I'm it's coming yeah exactly <laughs> and and uh i know and exactly those moments it go do it and like you actually get him back and you're like you're like Mm -hmm. and then he looks at you and you look at him you're like yeah let's do this all right let's play all right let's play (laughs) because that's what it's about and like this life is about play like the Mm -hmm. the, i used to teach this class i ended i taught yoga for for you know i don't know four four or five years but four years and i used to teach this class called primal practice it wasn't yoga class it was a movement class but it was all based around play and i had this kind of movement guy he i was roommates with him in somerville uh, before I got married, I kind of moved into this house with a bunch of guys and they were all like movement guys and mm-hmm. yoga guys. And they were just hilarious. There's no furniture in the house. We sat on the floor, you know, we ate on the floor, like, and these guys just, they, they were just moving. We wake up at like 7am, go downstairs, like drink coffee and like do like Qigong and like, like movement stuff, like crawl around like animals and stuff. Like it was hilarious. Like yeah. you, I'm sure you've seen some of the videos, like, you know, Ido Portal. You know Ido? Have you ever seen him? Isn't it? Uh, no, I. But but isn't oh. Qigong? Isn't that where like you act like you're kicking each other, or like you're you like throw legs over time? You like you like move out of the way, and you're just kind of like. That's like capoeira. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. A little more. That's like the Brazilian martial art where they're like really moving and grooving, and like mm-hmm. Qigong is more like slow like martial arts movements. It's like, it's like a breathing you, exercise too. It's like a breathing exercise. You're like building chi. You're like moving it around and you're getting into like different positions. It can be very simple. Like you can just like, and just moving your hands, just feeling mm-hmm. it's, it's based on like chi. So like life force prana Yeah. in the East, they'd call it, you know, chi. 
and and qi gong is essentially the movement of qi throughout your body to create essentially longevity but they yeah. took it further into martial arts and stuff with the shaolin warriors and stuff you said piranha and i feel like i have because i have i've i don't know where i got this paper from but i don't know if you can if you can see it but it's like a meditation paper yeah yeah and it has triple triple reverence uh reverences meditation pure land that's and tantra that's far east uh yeah with some tantra yeah that's that's like Far East principles. Okay. I still don't even know where the fuck I got this paper. But I don't know. It's like... I don't even know. It's like politically correct to say Far East, but like <laughs> chi China, you know, like. Yeah, it says Buddhist world. Song of Life, yep. Buddha Dharma Sangra. Yeah, but it it's uh, more people need to tap into that, I feel, is just like the movement and just feeling out your body and your breathing and you're just like just sensing and this awareness of your body and it talking about it makes me want to do it you know yes, like that exactly. but i have to do it in the dark in the basement otherwise my <laughs> wife and kids will make fun of me <laughs> yes let's make it normal yeah, like, exactly. yes that's what i'm saying and uh it's so cheeky and it, it will help you play good paintball when yeah. you like can, when you get in touch and you feel your toes and you can like feel the difference between your big toe and your small toe and your, your outside of your heel and your inside of your heel and mm -hmm. you move with that and it's like that's what it feels like to move like a body panther. consciousness yeah like that physical intelligence the body consciousness builds by doing that slow stuff mm -hmm. and then you translate into faster and faster stuff yeah that's the game like it in order to move most efficiently at high speed with full with like you, you know full velocity you have to master stillness mm -hmm. you can't you can't you can't truly be in control at full speed until you know what it's like to be completely still right well look at running and shooting look, look at running and shooting right it's it's mm -hmm. a very it's a very still thing uh, from the hips up, right? Yep. But it's it's constant movement from the hips down, and it's it's this thing that I try and tell people all the time. I'm like, man, learn how to run and shoot. Learn slow, and you'll yes. eventually and you gradually speed up to it. Learn how to run and shoot. Learn how to dive correctly. Learn how yes. to learn your your body awareness and your body conscious to be able to, you know, move out of the way of a lane. Or to be able to pop up shooting and and not hurt yourself. I mean, I that when I, when I used to do clinics, one of my biggest things was was that was like having a section for going to the basics on diving, running, and shooting, and your body awareness is because it because if you can't if you if you can't move around the field correctly, you're you're going to hurt yourself hey, hey. one, or yeah. you or you're just going to be your, your efficiency is not going to be there. And I I really tried to to get that point across to people, and some people got it, and some people didn't. And I think a lot of some people thought it was a very basic thing, where it's like, well, I know how to dive and this and that. And you're like, do you? Like, yeah, do you? But but do you? I mean, it's like it's it's something you see some of the best players in the world, and the way they dive, and the way they they can they can Superman dive into Snake One and crawl all the way down without a hiccup, or they yeah. run and shoot to the corner, or run and shoot to D, to D one without any kind of you know there'll be times where they have to dive out of the lane quick and kind of get out of sequence but but they do it seamlessly and yeah. you have to be able to you have to practice that to get it down and 
Some people are like, I don't need to learn that. You're like, okay, well. No, that's that's the silliest thought process you could possibly have, and that's the quickest way to not evolve, not grow, and be a bad paintball player. Yeah. Straight up. I mean, like if you know, if you look at you, you look at that, and it's like if you it, the the best don't stop doing the basics. Yeah. The best continue to do the basics. Continue to do the pull-up jumpers. Continue to do the you know the smallest of things over and over and over until there's so much efficiency, like you said, because they don't want to waste energy on the efficient on the little things, and they want to just be able to sequence them all together into these beautiful moves. But really, it's because they did this one thing a thousand times, and then this next thing a thousand times, and this next thing a thousand times. So your body can just transition back and forth between those very complex movements but it's because you pulled them back you slowed them down you just did them you know over and over i I couldn't agree more with you on that especially doing clinics i I did some clinics and it was a blast but that was that was that was it and and teaching the bandits i mean you can ask the bandits like funny story and those guys will laugh like you can ask brett and all those guys like the first there was like the first practice, I didn't even let them shoot paintballs until like the very end. And I only let them shoot paintballs just to know, like, just to make sure they knew I like wasn't fucking with them, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> like, like I literally lined them up in a field without bunkers and said like, okay, like we're going to go into the fundamentals because I'm not going to let you move forward and start playing paintball until you can do the basics well. And this is what my dad taught me. My dad taught, he would just do the basics and he's like, all right, like, always in a ready position and can you do that one basic thing well oh you think you can do it well okay do it another hundred times mm. after a hundred times you'd be like you know how, how good are you at that and i'd be like oh, i'm pretty good and he'd be like do it another hundred times you're like what do you what do you mean <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah i just did a hundred times like he's Reps like to yeah, perfection. Another, yep. yeah just and he you know he was just a big proponent on the simplicity of you know, what, what I would later kind of use different language for, but I, you know, there's, there's magic in repetition and like, we need to like, let that magic come to life through repetition Mm -hmm. with the bandits. I literally lined them up in a line and I said, you know, keep your barrel plugs on, hold your gun. And you know, there's, I put like 20 feet, you know, two cones. And I just said, you know, basically run and shoot to there as if you're running and shooting. And they would just kind of like do this and like, Mm-hmm. you know <laughs> barrels yeah. everywhere painting a picture the with place. their barrel yeah and i'm like okay now now the best in the world look what they look like all right like do you see there's a there's a gap here you know so okay now now do it lefty and lefty was hilarious i mean like they mm-hmm. were they were some of them fell you know like some of them couldn't couldn't literally move laterally and not fall over with their gun up okay all right, guys. And the whole idea was I'm not doing this to expose you in a negative way. I'm doing this to expose you so that you know what to work on. Mm-hmm. This is your curriculum. What you're deficient at is going to be your new curriculum. And we're just going to simply sit there and identify all the aspects that are inefficient and make them efficient. You used that word before when you're talking about doing the clinics efficiently. You have to be able to do it efficiently or you're never going to get to the point where you can like actually play a grinder four, five, six, eight point match and be able to create shots and roll out and shoot things. Like you're not going to get there unless you can move efficiently. And that's literally all we did all day. And I, the, the first time I had him run, you know, just and, and dive with the gun in their left hand, 
it was hilarious. I mean, the, literally, I had these guys laughing at each other because it was just so blatant how bad they were at the basics. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're, we're we're bad at the basics, guys. But let me give you let me give you a hint. Everybody's bad at the basics. Yep. There's not there's you know until you get to like division two, II, division one, and towards pro, most of the guys in division four, five, you know, in division three, and these these local leagues that these guys are going to come up against. They're all bad at the basics and none of them are drilling. So if you just start drilling, I'm telling you, within a few weeks of just doing these really basic things, you're going to start to find proficiency and then you're going to start to get better and then it's going to pay off. And this this is like one of the things I used to always say to them was big doors swing on small hinges. Like you're going out yeah. there, you get shot. You, there's so many sloppy things that are happening in your game of paintball that we we just clean up one thing. And now, you know, that that 5% of the time that you just got shot doing that one thing very inefficiently, now that's better. Now you get you gain back 5% of your life. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we clean up this other thing. That's another 5%. That's an, and then now we're at 20%. And then we're at 50%. Now you're just winning. And now you're just beating the brakes off these teams. Same yeah. teams that beat you like six months ago. And that that was their journey. And they went from literally 0 and 8 to 8 and 0 and just took off from there. And it was like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the In book uh, Atomic Habits? Yes. Uh, I Fantastic book. I've thumbed through it here and there. Uh, but the guy, a lot of the different entrepreneurs and stuff that I, that I listened to were like, yeah, read that book. Yeah. yeah uh, James Clear, he mentioned something in that book too. It was like, if you move – what's that? I have the book. I just haven't read it. Yeah, dude, it's it's <laughs> it's really good front to back. And um and even his newsletter, his newsletter email that he puts out every Thursday is actually like one that I look forward to. Uh oddly enough, there's there's not hardly any actually that I besides him and Tim Ferriss, but um but Tim Ferriss guy. <laughs> yeah. But Classic. uh but James Clear, if uh, I, I highly, highly suggest uh, the newsletter and also the book. But he mentioned something in his book where if you – a plane going from – I think it's from New York to like – I think it's L.A. or something like that. If you move the nose of the plane just a few degrees, hmm. you're going to end up down in like – down in Mexico somewhere or, you right. know, or something like that. So the, just that small change in the beginning – turns into this giant change in the end and how you really hope and and that's one thing as a coach too right you, you always think you're like man you, you hope that the concept is coming across it's like yeah. you're not trying to single anybody out you're not trying to do any of this you're simply trying to get the guys to understand that you're not you're not as good as you think you are but let's get you there yeah, because exactly. I think that's because exactly. I think at a, at a local level, at a divisional level, I think there's a very there's a very fuzzy gray line of confidence and actual skill level. And I think what tends to happen is that gray line tends to disappear. And it's just like, well, this is who I am. And this is, you know, any sport. I've come across a lot of guys who are we're in anything. Right. It's like that. But it's like, no, no, no. Let's let's back up. Let's clear that line up. And that's that's really at least I think to a lot of the people the ones who succeed I mean this is what happens right they they clear that lineup yeah. they see what they're good at they they 
really hone in on that. They try not to make those mistakes and and have their their faults really throw roadblocks into what they're good at. And you just mm. you you take that head on and you make it, you know, you uh, expose what you're good at and you kind of extrapolate on that. Um, but that's what you hope for. Right. As a coach is, you know, for those guys to recognize that. And I dude, talking. That's the one that's the one thing about this podcast, man, is it really it makes me want to play so bad. Anytime <laughs> I talk about it, anytime I talk yes. about the spiritual side, the uh, the 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 physical side, because honestly, for me, like whenever I step back on the field, whether it be come, come play, come play with Revo. <laughs> Uh, I might be playing semi-pro. Who knows what? I'm yeah. D1 actually right now, so I'll play D1. Who knows what's going on? But yeah. this this new job is not making it easy trying to play paintball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. But my my yearning to play has just been growing, dude. Ever since still doing the podcast and just watching the evolution of the players and the skill set, I just love I love challenge and I love seeing the the high level play happen and it's like i want to i i know what it's like being in there and it just draws me in and and i i just i love being in those situations and just and just playing and having what's weird too is that i'm trying not to go on i'm trying not to go on too many fucking tangents but it's like (laughs) what's it's not weird maybe but it's more or less like what i what i'm aware of and what i recognize now is as a an older guy as as far as the paintball is concerned right mm-hmm. uh, even though alex and some other people will argue it's not yeah, older guys yeah. we're just hitting our yeah. prime um yep. but as maybe as a more uh tenured guy and more mature and kind of I'm, i look at the game very differently but in a sense to where it's like and maybe it's because i, I took a, another step back and i'm looking at it mm-hmm. from a, a sense of where i i kind of play when i want to and this and that but it doesn't mean that i'm like i i I'm 110% when, you know, when I step on the field, but it's like, I'm very much happy and enlightened as I'm playing. Yeah. Still ruthless. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. I, f- I fucking that's, come that's, 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 there's nothing wrong with it, <laughs> but it's like, there's it's a... wrong with being a panther, you know, going out oh, there and just dude. shredding. But it's, it, it's very much in the back that what drives me to be there is that I'm actually happy and and truly ecstatic to be on a field and that really drives my play whenever i'm there and i could be five months i can be a month in between playing whatever it is and i can step on the field and i am just this i i radiate you know excitement and i'm just happy to play and it and it's weird i almost feel that much more in tune to the game and to myself and and to the team or whatever it may be and i just i thoroughly thoroughly enjoy it whenever i play mm. it's it's i i i love it man i'm i'm there i'm there with you i'm there yeah. with you and i think i think the time away from the game builds that because there's so much gratitude when you come back to it and i think you you know you get to a certain point where it becomes just a joy it becomes play it's yeah, like you're there. Very much it's so. Playful. It's it's fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And and you, you there's not many things that can allow like a grown adult like yourself or myself 
you know, especially with so many responsibilities that you have and the, the seriousness of life in, in, in an aspect that, that you get a chance to just play and to just be fully present and to fully engage with something like a sport, you know, yeah. and it's, that's our sport and that's our martial art. And you can, you know, you can, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful game. I love, I love like Pele for that. Like the whole idea of a, of a beautiful game, mm-hmm. because that's what I feel like when you take some time off and then you come back and that joy and that excitement comes up and it doesn't matter if you've taken five months off or you just played like last week or whatever it is, like you start to develop that, just that, that joy. That's, that's just like, I play this game because it's fun. I play this game because I enjoy that moment with these guys and the looking around and, and sweating and, and just like, that's it. It's not like I'm, I'm not out there to, to punish guys. I'm not out yeah. there to like, to like be the guy and to like walk around and be like, yeah, I, I just shot everybody. You're like, almost playing no. against yourself. You're playing against yourself and you're, and you're yeah. playing. You're Yes, totally. Then it's just because like, this is just a challenge, like you said, and it's, it's good for the spirit. It's good for the, for the, for the mind and for the body and for the being just to challenge yourself and to mm-hmm. play. Like you want, you, you, like we're built to solve problems. We're built to express, we're built for these things. So like if growth is the fundamental factor of life itself and paintball is an opportunity to grow, then if we bring that mindset of I'm here to grow and to play and to, to expand and to joy and to radiate, then, then it's the perfect medium for that. If it, mm-hmm. if you use it the opposite way and it's like, I'm, I'm just here to demolish and destroy and it, it's going to catch up. up. <laughs> it's going to catch up with you. It's, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're going to have that moment. I guarantee you're going to have that moment. You're like, why? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Because it's not truly fulfilling. Yeah. But when you loop back, you, you might have that, leave the game, come back and be like, holy shit, now I'm playing with totally different energy. I think that's like the, the energy that that I like playing with now that seems like you're playing with now. It's just like <laughs> yeah. this is a beautiful game. And that's the that's the, that's the time when you're out there in the field and practice and stuff where like someone just like punks you or shoots you right in the face. And you're just like, dude, nice shot. Yeah, because you have that respect for the game, like, dude, mm-hmm. that, that was like, it just shoots me in the face. And I'm like, woo, like, nice shot. Yeah, you know, instead we, of like, oh, fuck you, you know. Like, <laughs> well, that's how different. I I always tried to play the game too, because there was a point in time when I when I played against uh, it was eight one seven, and it was when Nick Laval was on the team, yep. and there was a there was a game we played. I forget what tournament it was, but him and I were playing heads up the entire match, and he was just he had in that specific match he just had me every time yeah. every interaction every he was just on point and i yep. made sure and he even mentioned this in like i don't know if he mentioned it in a podcast that i did with him or another podcast i heard yeah. but he and I, I i made a point to pull him aside or while we were actually in the handshake line i was like dude you had my number all day man and i did it with yeah. a smile on my face and he said that that had like an impact on him because he i mean i don't want to i don't want to butcher what he said but he i think he said he had built him it gave him this confidence that he you know in himself and this and and but that's what i what i wanted to do too man because it's like it's a game and we're all trying to do the same thing we're all trying to win yeah. we're yeah. all trying to move forward we're all trying to get better and and why not do it in a sense because we all know assholes man i know i know who's assholes who are not 
But you, yeah. I feel like I can also sense the guys who are really just genuine dudes who are like are out there for the same reason I am. And I like seeing people like that grow, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just the sport itself is such a a unique thing to where there's so many people that experience this thing and that fall in love with it. And I'm, I'm so fortunate to be able to, to be able to share those feelings with people and, and, and yeah. those situations. And, uh, and now to be able to, uh, to talk about it and discuss it in, on a platform like this. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's a really, it's, it's, it's an awesome sport. And, and I've, I've, I feel that cause you need, you need all those guys. Mm. You need the assholes once in a while. You, you do. need the bad guy. You, you gotta, need the bad guy. You got to go the slay the dragon. You got to let him shoot you in the face once in a while and go, all right, now I know. You yep. know, now I'm, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. You know, like you got to have the guys who, who have to play angry. Yeah. And yeah. it's fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun to do that as long as you can walk off the field, not see them as more or less than you. They're just equals. And like you had a little exchange on the field, but like the sport is meant to be that. And then you walk out of the cage and you're like tons of respect. Yeah. And if like that's that's the key, I think, to like making sure. And I think that's where a lot of like seasoned pro players are. I think a lot of them are there where it's just like everybody knows that, like, especially in this life that you don't look up to someone, you don't look down to someone. You just everybody's on the same playing field. And every there's mm-hmm. even if you can go out there and you can win every point and you can just put it on people all day long when you walk out of that cage y'all got wives and kids and mm-hmm. life and family and dreams and other aspects of life that you're doing. Like you're not better or worse than people. So don't act like it. Like don't, yeah. don't do that. Don't take that because one guy want, wins more than another. Don't take that off the field and bring it to the culture. Mm-hmm. Bring the out, you know, bring the fact that you got, you got respect for everybody and you need everybody. Cause if there's nobody out there to shoot, then who are you? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, it's, it's, it's really, it's a really fun. Did you, did you skateboard when you were a kid? Uh, I dabbled in it a little bit, yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go to the skate park when and and there's a bunch of dudes there and some kid goes off and like does you know a really nice trick, kick flip, you know, does a 360 flip or something mm-hmm. cool and everybody just takes their boards and starts like smacking it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody uses like everyone just does that. Yep. I feel like that's that's what we bring. To, that's what we got to bring to the sport. Mm-hmm. Is like. You go out there and you, when you recognize someone's mastery and they're doing some cool ass shit out there, even if it's against you, you got to give them props. Yeah. And to relate that it to moment. skateboarding and skateboarding paintball, you know, normally that guy trying that trick, when everybody slaps their boards on the, on the, uh, the coping like that, it's, that's not the first time that guy tried that trick. He didn't just land it right away. Yes. You were yes. seeing and watching him fail at trying to make that and you know the struggle and that's why you're giving the props and it's the same thing with paintball is you know the struggle and you know know how fucking hard it is and that's why you know what i mean yes i love that i also love that you use the word coping i haven't used that word (laughs) so long i haven't said that word (laughs) i haven't said that word in so long i was hoping it was the right word because it popped in my head and i was like i'm pretty sure it's coping the pipe yeah (laughs) oh shit dude ben thank you so much man i i know that uh I know that we uh, I, I definitely have to wake up early. I know that you do. But I just I yep. want to thank you thoroughly for the conversation, for the stories. Um, I wish you the best of luck. And I think it's going to be, you know, something great for uh, for your career and for your growth in yourself. And um, 
Is there? Uh, do you have any social media tags or anything you want to throw in there? If anybody wants to follow you, ask questions, or uh, or just curious. Yeah, and thank you. This yeah. is awesome. <laughs> it was definitely really it, was, it. it was great. I man. really enjoyed it. This was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, hopefully, we can loop back and do this at a later time too. But uh, social media, art of paintball, is kind of my paintball channel. Um, like you, I kind of wanted to separate the two a while ago. I, you know, it was like one of those things. Like yeah. I, I wasn't fully into just posting all sorts of paintball stuff. So I have my kind of paintball Instagram is art of paintball at art of paintball, and uh, my normal Instagram is at livin the Benny L I V I N no G the Benny, which ironically, Darula is the one who came up with that during that avalanche season, 2012. We were walking into a hotel and he he made that handle. I was like, nice. yo, what should, what should I, this is literally when Instagram started, or at least when I started Instagram. I was like, what should I make my handle? He's like, live in the Benny. I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, Have you been saving that one or something? Yeah, exactly. Out of good. nowhere. Um, so yeah, man, I, I appreciate you and uh, Wish you all the best of luck and all that fun stuff too. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy season, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. There's been uh, a ton of moves already in the off season, yeah. and it's and it's not even over yet. So it's no, it's, it's gonna be interesting, man. It's gonna be. I, I really I'm excited. Hope, yeah, I hope you find a, a good home there, and I think you will. Thank you. Yeah, we're, I'm having having fun. Even just being able to drill with Darula and Thomas locally and stuff has has been fun. And I'm excited to see the whole kind of five tournament format too. Have you did you kind of catch that? The open tournaments. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yep. interesting too. You know, like what teams go to all five or even six events? Yeah. You know, I, you can I, you can go to two opens beyond the four normal events. True. I'm going to try and make it to Chicago this year with my gear bag. Heck oh, yeah. Let's see what happens. I watched last year, and it was too painful. Which, no, it was <laughs> it was great because I had my son there, and he yep. loved it for like the first hour. And then yep. yeah, obviously didn't like staying there for the right, three other yeah. matches. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to try and take my gear bag this time and see what happens. But that's a secret. Not anymore, obviously, if you're listening to it. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And uh, if I do go, I hope to see you in person, give you a high five, and a good luck. Um, I wish you all the best, man. And thank you so much again for doing this. Thank you. You too, man. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Ben. It was great having you on, man. It was uh, it was a, a my pleasure for sure to be able to talk to you and uh, kind of reminisce and talk about the future and talk about the universe and the craziness that it is. But I had uh, had a great time, man. And thank you to everybody out there who is listening. Very much appreciated. It it uh, truly means a lot. Please, if you get the chance, head over to theplayingoutpodcast.com uh, to check out uh, that website that's brought to you by constant pursuit mr rusty glaze is killing it with the uh, with the websites and subscribe subscribe to the uh the email list uh if you have patreon or actually i have a i have a patreon check it out see if you want to help contribute to the podcast um i should have a store coming up here soon on the website to be able to get uh your tpop merch and Yeah, just thank you guys. Much appreciated. Please keep your eyes on the road. Do not text and drive, and we'll see you guys here again soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace!